0: for me, Mother's Day has always been a special day. Even when I was a kid, I always loved Mother's Day. But I remember two specific Mother's Days that I absolutely ruined for my mom. The first one was, I was home alone on, a fr- on the Friday night of Mother's Day weekend. And I had a friend over, and she was one of those friends that was a crazy friend. You know, She always got me into trouble, she was a crazy friend totally wasn't my fault. It was all her fault. Um, But we got scared that night and we were convinced that there was a killer outside and that he was going to come in and get us. So we called my youth pastor who lived up the street and told him, you've got to come save us. So he came down. When we opened the door, I had a big knife in my hand up like this. I don't know what I was going to do, but I had a knife. And In all of this commotion, my mom's little black poodle ran away. So he was gone Friday night. When my mom got home, I had to tell her, I lost your dog. I thought someone was trying to kill us. And I opened the door with a knife, and the dog ran out. So he was gone all weekend. But Mother's Day afternoon, we were sitting at the table, and we heard a little scratch on the door, and it was the dog that came home. And that dog made my mom's mother's day. Like, I can remember vividly her eyes. She was looking down, and the dog, you know, scratched. And her eyes just went up. She was so excited that this dog was home. It wasn't because me and my sister did anything. It was because this dog came home. So the second one was, it was back when I think these, the big, like, packaged muffins had just come out. So on Saturday... My sister and I had seen this beautiful package of these four blueberry muffins sitting on the counter, and they looked so yummy, and we just couldn't resist them, so she had two and I had two, and when my mom woke up on Mother's Day, she didn't have any muffins for her Mother's Day breakfast that she had really been looking forward to, so we still to this day hear about how we, we ate her Mother's Day breakfast of the muffins, so I ruined I've ruined a couple mother's days but i am a mom of three i have a 22 year old son who is married to my amazing daughter-in-law and they have my grandson and another grandson on the way yes so excited um and then i have a 20 year old son and my 16 year old daughter and being a mom was always a dream of mine like that's all i wanted to do i was the girl that I would go to church and I would take my baby doll with me. And, you know, I would walk in with her on my hip and I had a diaper bag. So I would sit on the edge so she could play. I would lay a blanket out, set her on it, put her toys all around her, her bottle of water there. And that was when I was like 11, so a little older. I remember taking my Cabbage Patch kid to school with me in sixth grade. I always wanted to be a mom. Um, but I, I've had the opportunity to be a stay-at-home mom for most of my kids' lives, and I'm so grateful for that opportunity. My kids mean the world to me. I'm not going to look at them because I don't want to start crying because that'll just be a mess if I start. We'll never get through it, but um, I thank you guys for letting me be your mom. I love you all. Okay. Uh, so... My kids and my husband always made sure that Mother's Day for me, like when my kids were growing up, was a special day. I would get woken up with breakfast in bed, and it would be like super early, and they would all come in, we have breakfast for you, and I was forced to eat every last bite, you know. It would be like a waffle with a ton of thick peanut butter on it, and I would be like, mmm, thank you. You know, when you first wake up, you're not wanting breakfast right then, but they always made me feel special. I would get pictures, and I would get kisses all through the day, and I loved it. It was always a super special day to me. So dads, husbands, I want to encourage you to take care of your wives today. Take them out to lunch, make them lunch at home, but don't let your mom's Kids, don't let your moms, dads, don't let your wives do anything today. Give them the day off. I I guarantee you that they deserve it. Amen? So I want to talk to you about the day after Mother's Day. The day that we as moms don't get breakfast in bed, that we don't get waited on, where we're not told how special we are and how much our kids love us, we don't get the kisses. The days where we as moms think, what kind of mom am I? The days that we wake up late and we're grumpy and we're yelling at our kids as they're running out the door or the days that our teenagers have made us cry because they've been so mean to us. Um, The days that we look at ourselves and feel worthless as a mom. Can any of your moms relate to me? Any of you have those days? So, In the beginning of March, I had a Facebook memory pop up. And it said, what kind of mom am I? Who forgets their kids on early release day? I can see it in September, maybe, but March? So the story was, I was supposed to pick up Claudia and her friend from school, and she was like fourth grade, probably. So school got out at 1.15, so, sometime in the day, I started watching a show. And I had turned my phone off. I had set it away from me. I was really into this show. Like, I was sitting there bawling my eyes out. I was into it. So, I had missed several calls from the school. I had missed several calls from Claudia's friend's mom asking where her kid was because I was so intently watching this show. So I finally realized what time it was. And I called the school and I was like, I'm on my way. I'll be right there. And I had to walk into that office. And have any of you moms ever had to walk into a school office when you've forgotten your kid? They kind of frown upon that. And they don't make you feel like a good mom at all, you know. So I try. I walked in, they could probably tell I had been crying because of my intense show that I had been watching. I walked in and I tried to explain myself. I was watching a show and I lost track of time. And they were like, just looking at me with that look of, what kind of mom are you? So when I saw this Facebook status, that phrase came right back to me, what kind of mom are you? In raising my kids, I've had a ton of those moments where I've gotten mad at them, um, I've gotten upset at their messes, I've gotten upset at their dad when they were little, like babies, and I would have to get up with them in the night. And I would come back to bed, and he would be cocooned in the blanket, and just so snuggly, and you know sleeping all good, and, I would jerk the covers as hard as I could. He would wake up the next morning. The kids, they slept all night long. I didn't hear the baby at all. And I would be like, (laughs) they woke up like five times. You just didn't hear them. (laughs) Um, I can remember getting frustrated at them when they would make the wrong choices. And it always left me with that feeling of, what kind of a mom are you? I had a friend tell me that she was dropping off her son at daycare, and he's a toddler. She was in first service, so she's not here right now. Her husband pointed her out, because I, I wouldn't look at her. But she decided that she was going to wear white pants to work, and with a toddler, that's a really bad idea. So she had walked him in, and he didn't want her to go, and so he was trying to cling to her leg, and she was trying to keep her white pants clean. So. I was nice in first service, and I didn't say exactly what she said. But apparently, she stiff-armed her kid in the head. was like, get away from me! Trying to keep him off of her white pants. And all of a sudden, she looks over, and that daycare teacher is looking at her like, what kind of mom are you? Yeah. So... I want you to ask yourself that question. What kind of mom am I? I I went to the father and I asked him, what kind of mom am I supposed to be? What kind of mom do you want me to be? Because we all want to be that perfect mom. We all want to look amazing. We want to look trendy. We want our kids to be really good. We want them to get straight A's. We want them to marry the right person. We want them to serve God all of their lives. We want them to be good when they go out in public. But what happens when that doesn't happen? What happens when we take them out and they're terrible in the public or we're terrible in public because of how they are acting? You guys ever kind of lose it in public with your kids? (laughs) I've totally done it. Totally done it. I would tell stories, but I don't have time and my kids would get mad at me. Um, So I... I wanna let all of you moms know that just because your kid isn't acting great, just because your kid isn't making all A's, because your kid is maybe working on his testimony, that doesn't make you a bad mom. It doesn't make you a failure as a mom. Because you go to work 40 hours a week and have someone else take care of your baby for you while you work, because your teenage daughter just told you that she's pregnant, or because your three-year-old isn't potty trained, It doesn't make you a failure as a mom. Amen? Being a mom's a tough job. There's easy days where everything's going right and there's days where the alarm clock goes off and instantly you cringe because you don't want a repeat of the day before. There's days that you see your friends and they have teenagers so they get to just go out with their husbands whenever they want and you haven't had a date night with your husband because everybody refuses to watch your kids. You can't get a sitter. There's days where you look at your body compared to the woman next to you in the grocery store, who's dressed in those short shorts and crop top, and her hair's perfect. She's got her makeup all on, and she's buying a salad. And you see your reflection, and you've got a messy bun, You've got bags under your eyes, maybe last night's makeup still on. You've got your 2% milk and your two cans of formula, and you're going up to the, to the checker, you know, right beside her. And then, by the way, when the time you get to the car, you see your spit up all down your sleeve that was facing the pretty woman. Yeah, there's days that we have those comparisons to make, and they make us feel like we're lost, and like we're forgotten, and like we're not the woman that we used to be. But I want you to know that being a mom is one of the most important jobs that you will ever have. Raising a child who loves God and serves God for all of their lives is what we as mothers are called to do. Amen? God has given us instructions and examples on being a mom in his word, and I want to look at a couple of these examples. And we we have the advantage of we get to read the whole story of these women. But these women lived it and they didn't know the end like we knew it. So just use your imagination a little bit while I'm talking about these women. The first one is Mary, but she's of course the moms of all mom, you know. She's the one that she was a young virgin, she was told you're going to get pregnant, you're going to have a son, he's going to be the savior of the world and she's like, "Okay. I'll do it." You know, she does it happily. She goes and has her baby in a stable. I was the one the one who with Chase, I got to the hospital and I thought I was I had to have been like at a 10 ready to push and they were like, "You're at a 1." <laughs> and I had morphine. I had everything I could possibly have to get through it to keep myself from dying. But not Mary. Mary did it all really, really well. But I want to talk about the day that they were leaving the city in the caravan of people. In Luke 2, verse 41, it says, Every year Jesus' parents went to worship at Jerusalem during the Passover festival. When Jesus turned 12, his parents took him to Jerusalem to observe the Passover, as was their custom. A full day after they began their journey home, Joseph and Mary realized that Jesus was missing. They had assumed he was somewhere in their entourage, but he was nowhere to be found. After a frantic search among relatives and friends, Mary and Joseph returned to Jerusalem to search for him. After being separated from him for three days, they finally found him in the temple, sitting among the Jewish Jewish teachers listening to them, and asking questions. So I think about that from Mary's perspective. And I wonder if she was having that thought of, what kind of mom am I? Three days went by. This wasn't like just a couple hours. This was three full days where she didn't know where her son was, and she knew how important that kid was. She felt like she blew it. And I can... I can picture Mary running through that crowd of people. Like, I see her with her hair flying all out of her head cover thing. With her eyes bloodshot and crazy and tears down her face. Asking people, have you seen Jesus? Did he come by here? Is he with your kids? Have you seen him anywhere? I haven't been able to find him. I can't imagine how she was feeling frantically searching for him. Um, I, you always see the comments on Facebook of the perfect moms when another mom has had something tragic happen to their kids and all the perfect moms go in and say, well, why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? You did it the wrong way. I would never let that happen. And I imagine that Mary was hearing those things from the people that she was talking to. I'm sure that they were saying, what kind of a mother is Mary? She was too young to do this. They chose the wrong one to be the mother of Jesus. What kind of mom was Mary? The next one I want to look at is Hagar. Hagar had less of the upper status of Mary. Hagar was an Egyptian slave to Sarai. I'm just going to call her Sarah, okay? I know in the Bible she changed from Sarai to Sarah and Abram changed to Abraham, but we're going to just go with Sarah and Abraham, okay? So, Hagar was Sarah's slave. She was worthless. She didn't mean anything to anybody. She wasn't important. And she didn't have a say in what she was told to do. So, Sarah couldn't have children, and she wanted children desperately. So, she gets this bright idea that Abraham take her as your wife, and maybe she can have me a baby. So Abraham's like, okay, sounds good if you say so. I mean, I don't know, but if you say so, I'll do it. So he takes her as his wife. She gets pregnant, and Hagar starts to feel a little bit like more of a woman. So in Genesis 16, verse 4, It says, so Abraham had sexual relations with Hagar, and she became pregnant. But when Hagar knew she was pregnant, she began to treat her mistress, Sarah, with contempt. Then Sarah said to Abraham, this is all your fault. (laughs) We women do that sometimes, don't we? We have an idea, it goes bad, so we blame someone else. Maybe that's just me that does that. You guys, you guys don't do that. Um... I put my servant into your arms, but now she's pregnant and she treats me with contempt. The Lord will show who is wrong, you or me. Abram replied, look, she's your servant, so deal with her as you see fit. Then Sarah treated Hagar so harshly that she finally ran away. So Sarah becomes this jealous madwoman. Her plan didn't go like she wanted it to. Um, Hagar runs off. An angel comes to her and tells her to go back to her mistress and submit to her authority. He tells her she's pregnant and promises her that she will have more descendants than she can count. So Hagar returns home. She has a son named Ishmael. And I, I kind of imagine that there were a few issues between Sarah and Hagar. Like, I think it was probably really uncomfortable to be in the same room with those two women. I think that Hagar probably felt like an outsider anytime she was in there with Sarah and with the other women I think she felt left out mistreated and abandoned and she probably felt forgotten so later in the story we hear that Sarah has a baby with Abraham and one day Sarah saw Ishmael treating her baby badly she was making fun of him and this didn't set well with Sarah so how many of you moms have that mama bear instinct that rises up when Someone messes with your baby, or your 22-year-old, or your 20-year-old, or your 16-year-old. I totally am that mom. Like, don't mess with my kids. I don't know what I would do, but I'll say that I am tough. (laughs) Um, Sarah didn't like it, and she told Abraham to get rid of him. So in Genesis 21, it says, when Isaac grew up, when it was about to be weaned, Abraham prepared a huge feast to celebrate the occasion. Sarah saw Ishmael, the son of Abraham, and her Egyptian servant, Hagar, making fun of her son, Isaac. So she turned to Abraham and demanded, get rid of that slave woman and her son. He is not going to share the inheritance with my son, Isaac. I won't have it. So Sarah got jealous was like, no way is this woman and her kid going to stay around here with my son. He tells her to, he, she tells him to get rid of her. So Genesis 21, verse 14 Says so Abraham got up the next morning, prepared food and a container of water, and strapped them on Hagar's shoulders. Then he sent her away with their son, and she wandered aimlessly in the wilderness of Beersheba. When the water was gone, she put the boy in the shade of a bush, then she went and sat down by herself about a hundred yards away. I don't want to watch the boy die, she said, as she burst into tears. But God heard the boy crying, and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven. Hagar, what's wrong? Don't be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. Go to him and comfort him, for I will make a great nation from his descendants. Then God opened Hagar's eyes, and she saw a well full of water. She quickly filled her water container and gave the boy a drink. And God was with the boy as he grew up in the wilderness. He became a skillful archer, and he settled in the wilderness of Paran. His mother arranged for him to marry a woman from the land of Egypt. So Hagar was a mother who endured a lot. She was harshly mistreated. She was totally made fun of. She was made to feel worthless and inferior. She was made to feel like nothing. And there was a point in her child's life where she was put into a hopeless situation, a spot where she didn't see that any good was going to come in her child's life. Her best efforts had done nothing to provide for him, and she had totally given up, and the best thing that she could do was to put her son under a bush to die. And I know that not every mom in here has had the support of your husband like you should. Maybe you are a single mom, maybe you got pregnant as a teenage girl, maybe the dad of your of your kids wants nothing to do with with your kids but I want you to know that you've not been left in the wilderness alone amen. amen if you look back at verse 17 it says but God God heard God heard this boy in the wilderness and he hears the cries of you also <clears throat> God hears the cries that we have as moms <coughs> sorry He knows those exhausted nights that we have. And he knows those conversations that we have with our husbands of how are we going to provide for our kids? I don't know what to do in this situation. I don't know what to say. I don't know how to act. He hears all of this and he already has a plan for us to fix it. And sometimes, just like Hagar, our eyes need to be open to that well that God has placed right in front of us. That well of water It wasn't there. There was nothing there when she was first there, but God opened her eyes to that well, and I want you to know that God has put something. He's put the answer for you right in front of you, and all you have to do is reach out to him and ask for it. I guarantee you that Hagar sat under that tree crying and asking herself, what kind of mom are you? There's several more examples in the Bible of moms who went through some horrible things. One was Moses' mom. She put him in a basket and pushed him down the river, not knowing what was going to happen. Leah and Rachel, they were sisters who shared the same husband, and one sister had the love of her husband but couldn't have any babies. The other sister had babies but not the love of her husband. Samson's mom, She watched her son seemingly lose everything and forget everything that she had poured into him for a woman. Eve endured one of her sons murdering the other. So these these women were just like you and me. They were moms who were faced with the task of raising a child in a very scary time. And I'm sure that they felt hopeless and inadequate just like some of us do sometimes. They faced situations where they didn't know what to do or how to handle them. They didn't know what to say to their kids. They watched their kids make horrible choices that had horrible consequences and there wasn't much that they could do about it. These moms had stories and challenges just like you and I have. And I want you to know that here's the thing, each of us are going to raise our kids differently. You're not going to parent the way I parent, I'm not gonna parent the way you parent. You're not gonna do it the same way your best friend did it or maybe the way you were parented. But we're told in Proverbs 22:6 to train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. From the moment <laughs> that you become pregnant, from the moment that God put that baby in your belly, He began equipping you to be that baby's mom. From the moment you become pregnant until the day you leave this earth, the kind of mom you should be is one who always directs your child to the father, one who leads them to follow him, one who shows them to chase after his heart. We have to teach our kids that God is the most important person in our lives. And Pastor Mickey talked about it last week, how... um, God is number one above everything else. God's number one. Your spouse is number two, and your kids are number three. But if you will teach your kids that God's number one, then you're going to win as a mom. Amen? Our biggest job as a mom is to teach our kids to love God. That's the kind of mom that you should be. I want my kids to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I have done everything in their lives to teach them that God's the most important. I want them to know that no matter what, no matter what they do, no matter what mistakes they make, no matter anything, God's never gonna leave them. God's never gonna stop loving them. God's never going to stop pursuing them. And he'll always be a constant in their lives. And if I teach my kids that, if they know that beyond a shadow of a doubt, then I've succeeded as a mom. The role of a mother is so, so important. Don't ever doubt that. Regardless of if you work 40 hours a week or you are a stay-at-home mom, if all of your kids have grown up and moved away from the house, if you're raising your grandkids, whatever your situation is, I want you to know that you as a mom are important and you as a mom are enough. You have a purpose no matter where you find yourself as a mom, no matter if it's a good day and you get in bed at night and you say, I did it all right today. I hit a home run, I won. Or if you get in bed at night and you're like, I am on the bottom of the barrel and my kids are on top of that barrel, rolling it over me several times, I lost today. It's all right. God's called you to be their mom. He's equipped you to be their mom. He's given you the right things that you need to be their mom. I think the most important thing for us as moms to do is to wake up every day and say, God, what do my kids need today? What do they need from me? Who do I need to be for my kids today? If you are a mom in here, will you stand up? And if you're close enough, I want you to move around a little bit because I want you to join hands with somebody, with another mom. We all know that being a mom, it's not always easy. And sometimes it's lonely. And sometimes you feel like you're doing it all by yourself. But I want you to know that you're not alone. There's moms beside you that you can reach out to, that you can call, that you can say, hey, I'm, I'm going through this. Tell me what to do, tell me what to say, tell me how to react to my kid throwing this tantrum on the floor. Claudia, when she was two, she, two, she knew what she wanted to wear and it was a fight every day of what she was going to wear. So I would have to lay out a couple outfits and say, these are your three choices, pick one, we're not doing this fit today. But had I had somebody tell me, it's okay, that doesn't make you a failure as a mom, lay out three outfits and let her choose one. It would have made my morning so much easier had I known that after I had to figure it out, like after six months of these fits that my two-year-old would throw about her outfit. We still have fits sometimes on what she's gonna wear. About. <laughs> But I want you to know, you can reach out to somebody, ask for help. You don't have to do it by yourself. Amen? I wanna pray for you. Father God, I thank you for each one of these moms. I thank you, Father, that you love each one of us more than we can ever comprehend. I thank you, God, for being proud of us. I thank you that you have given each one of us exactly what we need to be the mom that you have called us to be. I ask you, Father, to show us each day how to train our children up in the way that they should go. Give us wisdom in every circumstance that comes up with our children and show us what to say when our kids come to us hurting. Father, for the moms who have been hurt by their kids, I ask you, Father, to wrap your arms around them right now. Just love on them and comfort them. Take away the hurt that they feel regarding their kids. For the ones who have felt like they don't measure up as a mom, Father, I ask you to replace that lie with your truth, the truth that they are special that they have what their kids need because you have put all their kids' needs on the inside of them. Help us as moms to reach out to you first when we need help. Remind us that we don't have to do this alone. Father, I ask you to let each one of these moms feel special today. I thank you, God, for reminding each of us that we are the mom that our kids need. We are good at what we do and that our children will grow up to love, honor, and serve you. Let this be a special day for each of us. In Jesus' name, amen.